Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. I don't take this lightly, and I want to thank you for the ability to be able to speak to you for a few minutes about fathers. Can I do that, please? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you and I praise you for this privilege, Father. Lord, I ask you to allow me to decrease, that you would increase in this time. Father, really, in my whole life, allow me to decrease that you would increase. But especially now, let me speak boldly your word. Let me speak from my heart the heart that you have given me, the heart that you have transformed. And Father, I thank you for what you are about to do in and through me. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you. So let me just speak from my heart. On April 9th, 1994, I officially officially became a dad for the first time. A father of a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. And I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I had no idea how much I was going to mess it up. Seriously. I figured, I have a dad. I know what dads do. I'll do what I've seen my dad do and what I've seen other dads do. No problem. Just follow them. Follow the signs around me, right? Not so. Now, I'm not saying that my father was a a bad father. He wasn't. He was very loving, very caring. I love him so much. Can we throw a picture of my dad up there? He was... Very caring, very loving, very wonderful. Look at that handsome guy over there. Wow, right? That's probably late 50s, early 60s. What a guy. He emigrated from, from uh, Mexico. He came over here legally. He did what he had to do to provide for his family. Then he brought the rest of his family over. And I was the first one born here in the United States. And I am so privileged for his sacrifice for what he did to be able to provide for us. If it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't have the career that I have now. I'm a machinist by trade. My little brother is a machinist. My older brother was a machinist. He just retired not too long ago. And, you know, we have this, this ability, this skill that he instilled in us, that he nurtured in us. He spoke life into us. Now, granted, he wasn't perfect. You know, whose father is perfect? I think there's a few perfect fathers in here, right? Say yes. (laughs) Own that. Take that. I won't say that I'm a perfect father, but I, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I was young. I was 29 years old. I was 29 years old. And I was godless and dumb. But God's hand was upon me. 
He not only gave me a beautiful woman, he gave me a wise woman, a loving woman, and a woman that would lead me back to he that had called me from my mother's womb. I didn't know, right? At 13 years old, I wanted to be a priest, right? <laughs> and then I thought, no, I can't do that. That's, I, I couldn't possibly follow through with that. I'm too wild, I'm too, you know, 13 years old, mind you. I'm too wild, I'm too sinful, I'm too this, I'm too that. Just everything negative. And then 40 years later, at 53, I got ordained. We got ordained. That was amazing to me. 40-year journey. God had a plan, right? But in that time, in those first Oh, oh, in those first 20 years, I proceeded to make every mistake in the book. I'll spare you the gory details and tell you that the first six years were horrendous. Remember, I was godless. And my idea of fathering was heavy-handed and corrupt. My authoritarian approach caused my children to fear and loathe me. And rightly so. And it nearly cost me my marriage. The only thing I had going for me was my tenacity and my hard-headedness. Because I said to myself, this is the one and only marriage I'm ever going to have. And if I mess this up, if I mess this up, I'm out. I, I, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to try it again. Thank God. Thank God, 28 years later, whew, still married. Still married, still, still love. And I have gained not only the love of my, my children, but I've gained the love of so many spiritual kids because we're being watched, right? It's said that you don't, you, I just drew a blank. You teach what you know as fathers, right? We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And when I heard that, I was terrified of what I could possibly reproduce. I didn't want to reproduce that man that I was. I didn't want to reproduce that father, because that father was too heavy-handed. That father was selfish. That father was not somebody that I would want as a father. There is no reflection on my, my earthly father at all, because very, he was very loving and caring. He took me everywhere. He took me to Santa Anita. He took me to Hollywood Park. He took me to the dog track in uh, TJ, Caliente. I went to night harness racing at Los Alamitos. Now, those are all racetracks. But I was with my dad. Me and my little brother would go with him. And that was, that was so wonderful for me because I was with my dad. I even went to a few poker nights with him where was with his buddies and hung out there. That was great. It was amazing to me because I was with dad. 
By the way, <laughs> I titled this, Who is Your Daddy? And I know some of you might say, oh my God, clutching pearls. Why would you say that in church? Who's your daddy? There's such a negative connotation to that, right? But I'll get there. I'll get there. So I spent a ton of time with my dad, probably in the wrong places. I think I even remember driving back from TJ one time when he was just too tired and probably had a little bit too much to drink. We made it over the border. We made it cross the border. And he said, here, you drive until we get to San Clemente because there's another checkpoint in San Clemente. <laughs> For those of you that haven't driven back from TJ, and, and I haven't driven back from TJ in a long time, and I probably don't want to go to TJ at this point. Just nothing wrong with it, just a personal decision. But those kind of times, they formed me and they gave me an idea as to what a father does. But I also saw my father sacrifice so much. Sacrifice his own wants. Sacrifice his own needs. And as a kid, I thought to myself, why is he doing that? Why is he so not thinking of himself? But then I thought, ah, good for me. It's all good. It's all good for me because I was reaping the benefits of it. I'd like to say that Maybe you've heard this before. It says in Ephesians 6, 4, I don't think you have this for the screen, but it says, in the, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. In the Amplified Version, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6.4. I don't think that we catch that part of it. I love the way the Amplified just fleshes it all out. But did you catch that? It says, tell, tell me if I'm the only one that caught that. At the beginning of Ephesians 6, the beginning of that chapter says, children, obey your parents. That I saw right away. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then it goes into, fathers, do not exasperate your children and make them angry and bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, of your heavenly father. And it makes you think, how does God treat me? Does God slam me every time I make a mistake? Does he make me feel stupid? Does he say that I'm less than when I blow it? And there's plenty of times that I've blown it. Think about it. Fathers, mothers, everybody here. How does God treat you? How does he make you feel 
when you make a mistake. If you feel like you're less than, that's not your heavenly father. That is the enemy. That is the devil. The devil wants to make you feel like you're less than. He doesn't say, oh, well, they're saved now. They're serving God. I'm just going to give up on them. I'll, I'll pick on somebody else. No. As a matter of fact, you have this huge target on you. A huge target that he says, I'm going to take them out. And not only am I going to take them out, fathers, not only am I going to take them out, but I'm going to take out their whole family. His aim is to steal and kill and destroy. It always, it always uh, fascinated me that he wanted to steal and kill and destroy you. Well, if you have already stolen from me and killed me, why would you want to destroy me? I'm already dead. But what he's destroying is not you. He's destroying your legacy. He's destroying your children. He's destroying your family. I've seen too many families that have been destroyed by fathers that just couldn't handle it. That didn't have godly men around them. Men that would encourage them. Men that would tell them, you can do this. You can do this. Which brings me to my first point. My first point is, chill out. Chill out, fathers. Take a pill. Take a chill pill. Chill pill. In James 1.19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become, become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Slow to speak, slow to become angry, and quick to listen. I was very reactionary as a young father. I did what I saw modeled in front of me. Not just by my father, more, actually more by my mom, but you know, there was other fathers that I saw that were reactionary in an adverse way. My first answer to anything, even now, I'm sorry to say, hey, can we do this? Or hey, can this happen? Or hey, can that happen? No. No. Instead of, and and it's, it's a harsh no, right? Instead of saying, well, let's see, right? I didn't, I didn't chill out. I was all like, no, 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 this, ah, 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 right? It was just that, that defense mechanism, that reactionary, ugly thing. It was just a part of me. But it was a part of me because I accepted it. I accepted it within me. Until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and he said, look, uh, I see that you're doing this this way. This is the Holy Spirit talking to me. That's how he talks to me. I see that you're doing this this way, but um, how's that working for you? Mm, I'm not getting very good reactions. I see it in their faces. Actually, now 10, 15 years later, I really do see it in their faces. And it doesn't feel well. 
I don't feel good about it. And he goes, well, why don't you just chill out? Why don't you just relax? Don't be so reactionary in an adverse way. Just shut up and listen. Don't say anything. You don't have to get angry. And I was like, hmm. That sounds like James 1.19. He goes, it is. It is. Shh, just be quiet. And think about it for a minute. Think about what the good possibilities are. Think about what the bad possibilities are. Think about whether something is possible. Yes, of course, we have to count the cost and see what we have to do. Do we have the finances to do it? Do we have the ability to do it? Do we have the want to do it, right? And just evaluate. But you don't have to be, oh, I was going to say something bad. You don't have to be crass. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be, and I know how to be very well. You don't have to be that way. Just calm down. There's plenty of examples of fathers, father figures in my life that were very calm. But it's, it's strange how we kind of gravitate towards the bad, towards the adverse, towards the negative, right? We, we, we think that, oh, I can't get past this. I can't, I can't get past this bad thing in my life because that's just the way it is. No, it's not like that. We all have a choice. God has given us the ability to choose. And as young people, as people that have probably grown up, not, maybe not in the, in the best uh, circumstances, we see things in a negative vein. But I want to tell you that, like the song says, we have a good, good father who has an amazing plan for us. And he wants us to be able to see through the darkness, to see through the light, to see the possibilities that he is opening up, opening up for us. Because he's a God of favor. He pours his favor upon us so that we can have victory over those things that are trying to take us out. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, as, as young people, and even as older people, hello, even as older people, we have the ability to choose the better thing. Thank you. Because we need to be able to choose the better thing. There's enough negativity around us. There's enough, um, you name it, there's enough evil. I'll just say that. There is enough evil around us to last us 20 lifetimes. I don't need that anymore. What I need is to be able to relax and to see what God has, been, has put before me. Those good things, the, the openings, the people that are encouraging me. I surround myself with godly men. I didn't do it by choice. God forced me. Well, he doesn't really force me. But he made it so that I would be able to be around men that encouraged me. I have been 
told in the last four years, more than in my entire lifetime, that I'm loved. I've been told by men that they love me. I hardly ever heard that as a kid. And that's not a judgment against my parents, it's not. Or my siblings, it is not a judgment. It just was a thing that wasn't done in my household. Now, the 180 degree opposite of that, in my wife's household, everything was love, 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 love. Everything was encouragement. Everything was for the kids. That's why I say that my, my uh, approach to fathering was so odd, so off, so not part of that culture. And I was like, what's wrong? How come I'm, I'm failing at this? How come th I'm, I'm not getting the love that I think I should get? Oh, man, let me tell you about one day, one day, probably in the first one or two years of our marriage, I came home and the kids rushed me. They're like, ah, you're home, ah, Martin's home, Martin's home. And I was like, no, not now. It probably wasn't this, this reserved. It was probably a lot harsher. But that was the day that they stopped doing that. The day that I stopped them from rushing me and pouring love upon me, that was no more. I missed that. I caused that. I caused that out of my stupidity. I caused that out of something that was within me that said, let me destroy this family. That was the enemy. But I was too dumb to realize it at that point. Remember, I was godless. The first six years, godless. I got saved in 2000, in November of 2000. That's when I started going to, I first went to uh, Faith Community Church. And I heard this, this redheaded preacher talk about the love of God and I was like <laughs> I don't understand oh why am I feeling this way it's so weird it was the Holy Spirit touching me the Holy Spirit letting me know hey guess what you're loved I want to honor you I want to use you in a mighty and powerful way I want to be able to speak life into you. I want to lift you up. I didn't know what to do with that. That first week, I didn't go up to an altar call. I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't understand this. The next week, I went right up. I went right up and gave my life to Christ. I had no clue what I was doing, not a clue but I knew it was a good thing. I knew that it was something within me that I had to do, that I had to give of myself, that I had to, I didn't know at the time, that I had to die to myself because I was not dying to myself in my regular life, in my daily life. 
As time passed, I was able to see that God really did give a rip about me. That he really did care and that he wanted to lift me up as he wants to lift everyone here up and all my people online. What's up, Jack Crew? I haven't forgotten about you. Hey, Lee. Hey, Vega. I think my sister's watching too. Hey, Cruz. So, all that, all that turmoil, all that negativity, all that stuff, insert your own verb there, all that stuff was getting moved around. And imagine, imagine a, 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 a clear glass of water, but it's not water, it's this dark liquid. Let's say it's Coca-Cola. Don't say names. Let's say it's a dark liquid. And then you start pouring this, this just clear water into it. Eventually, the whole glass becomes clear. And that's what was happening to me on the inside. The Holy Spirit was pouring his love into me. And it was changing my heart. It was making me feel like I could accomplish something. It was making me feel like, you know, this selfishness thing. It's not good. It's not working for you. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not making you feel the way you think you want to feel. It is bad. Bad selfishness. Good selfish, selflessness, right? We're able to realize these things not just because of who we are, but because something within us, something told me to get rid of the selfishness. That something was the Holy Spirit. Because when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit wakens your spirit up. Your spirit is become awake. And it goes, wow. What a mess. What a mess in here. We need to clean this up. And the Holy Spirit goes, yep. And he puts on his tool belt. And he starts destroying all this ridiculousness that's in there. He starts taking out all that bad wood, all the selfishness, all the hate, all the hurt, all that negativity that is in there that does not belong in there. Because your heavenly father doesn't want it in there. Your heavenly father wants you to be able to see yourself as he sees you. Remember, he's a good, good father. And he wants you to have victory over those things that are trying to take you out. And the enemy sends his evil ninjas to say things to you, to speak negativity to you, to say that you're less than and that you will never and that you are not worthy and that you'll never accomplish because you're this and you're that and every bad thing, everything that will keep you from the victory that God has right here. He's handing it to you. He's being your good, good father and he's saying, look, here's life. Here's victory. Oh, and here. Here's love. Take the love. 
Take the love and run with it and know that I love you and that I want to empower you to be that man or woman that I have called you to be. And you might say, well, I never heard your voice. Well, yes, you did. Yes, you have heard my voice. I was that still small voice that said, yes, you can. But it was drowned out by all that BS. Can I say BS in church? By all that BS that was spoken over you or, or was just there around you by people of authority, maybe by your own parents, maybe by your teachers, maybe by your tios or your tias, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins maybe. I don't know. Isn't it weird? Isn't it just so funny that it's usually those loved ones that are close to us that are able to sweep our feet out from under us and make us feel like less than? Let me tell you that you don't have to take that. You don't have to be rude, but you just have the ability to say, hmm, that's not for me. I'm not going to take that. Not mine. Not owning it. Don't even want to look at it. Don't even want to pick it up. Not for me. My second point. I'm sorry about that. My second point. Men fathers ask for help ask for help I don't know why and I'm guilty of this too ask for help because men don't want to ask for help no I can do this no I don't need the instructions no I don't need the map yes I do yes I do need the instructions yes I do need that big fat instruction book that big manual for this machine for this for this uh, sound component for this car, how do I turn off that light in the car? Look at the manual, tonto. <laughs> there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God's not gonna say when you ask him for wisdom, hey God, can I have some wisdom? He's not going to say, of course not. What are you, some kind of an idiot? I don't have enough wisdom for you. He's never going to say that. People around us might say that. Because you know why? They don't have any either. So why do you ask them? No les preguntes. Don't ask them. Ask for wisdom. Also in Proverbs 15, 22, it says, there is no counsel, there is no counsel purpose, whose purposes are frustrated. Wait a minute. There is no counsel. Purposes are frustrated, but with many counselors, they are accomplished. I'm sorry. Where there is no counsel. Get that. Where there is no counsel. I did not help, ask for help. I did not ask for this or that wisdom. Purposes are frustrated. Do you ever get frustrated when you don't know what to do? Ask for help, for goodness sake. Ask somebody. Make that call. That's why you need people around you. Fathers, that's why you need other godly men around you. Because we're not designed to do this alone. We do not have all the answers. 
But we serve a God. We serve a heavenly father that does have all the answers. And it's funny, but he uses different answers for different men, different people. And as a collective, as we ask for help from this person and from that person and from that person, because they've been around us, because they see that we're struggling, perhaps they offer the help, perhaps they offer the wisdom, they offer the counseling because they know that we need it. And then when we have the wherewithal, duh, I need help, I'm going to ask for help. Hey, what do you think I should do? Hey, what's your advice on this? Hey, what's your advice on that? I know you've maybe encountered this or that. Ask for help. And even, even, it, it even says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, for lack of guidance, a nation fails, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs eleven fourteen, a nation fails, an entire nation. I'll just leave that there. Let's ask for help. Let's ask for help from the godly people around us. And not from the fake godly people, and I'll just leave that there. My third point. Start right where you are. Right now. Do not hinder your own progress or just stop because you feel uncomfortable or wrong for moving forward. Maybe that's just me. But I'm the type of person that probably overanalyzes something too much and says, should I do this? Should I do that? I need to, oh, I know. I see that I can maybe make progress this way and I'll, oh no, wait, but wait, I'll do this way. No, 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 I'll do it that way. Hey, just make a move. Make a move, would you? Start right where you are. Start right there. And don't you think that your heavenly father in the ability that he has, which is the ability to do everything and accomplish everything, that he, does, that he has the ability to stop you and maybe veer you off in a different direction? Should you be going in the wrong direction? Hello? Trust him. Let him guide you. The Holy Spirit, do not, rem do not forget, oh my gosh, do not forget, that the Holy Spirit is within you. It says in Galatians 5, 7, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he, he is the one who called you to freedom. He is the one that called you to free them. He is the one that empowered you to have victory. Don't waffle so much. Do what you got to do. Make that move. And trust God to bring you back should you be going in the wrong direction. Now, I called this... Who's your daddy? That's no secret. Your daddy is your heavenly father. And sometimes we hear Abba, father, right? There's three places 
in the word where Abba is used. And I don't have those, those references for you right now, but I want to let you know that Abba, usually we're told that Abba means daddy. Daddy would be the intimate term for father, right? Which is true, but there's more to it. There's more nuance to it. Abba actually means, it means father or daddy, I will obey you. It is an intimate term, but it's also a term of obedience. It's a term that causes us to be close to our Heavenly Father and to let him know, I trust you. I know that you love me and I will be obedient to you. Abba means Father, I will obey you. So rather than thinking of who's your daddy, I want you to change that and let it be Who's your Abba? Who's your Abba Father? One instance of that is when, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Abba, I don't feel comfortable about this. I'm paraphrasing now. I don't feel comfortable about doing this. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not only was he going to experience the most excruciating, horrible, physical pain that anybody could, could, could go through, but he was going to also have the weight of the world's sin put upon him. The only one that could do that was God himself manifested in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that sacrifice, we are able to gather here together today and to be the witnesses of his victory in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We are able to do these things because God gives us the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him we need if you don't need you want but trust me you need and you want the Holy Spirit in your life because the Holy Spirit instructs us, he corrects us, he guides us into those things that we need. Into the victory that God has put right there at hand. He says that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. Right there. Your victory is at hand. Your victory is yours for the taking. But it's not yours for the taking out of your own way of being. Because the word says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our stinking thinking 
gets us to do dumb things and to not accept the love and the peace and the grace that God has for us. Because the enemy wants us to be less than. The enemy wants us to think of us as not good enough. And trust me, it's not somewhere you want to live like that. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to accept that for your life. God has a plan for you. He has victory for you. He wants you to know that you are loved and validated and empowered to overcome the things of this world. And quite frankly, not out of your own strength, but out of the strength that he deposits in you. Can we accept that? Can we take that home and just run with it? Can we be the men and women of, of God that he has called us to be? Because it's not just about ourselves. Men, women, fathers, fathers to be, fathers that will soon be, fathers that have kids now, fathers that will have kids in the future, fathers that will have extended families, natural kids, spiritual kids, the best kind, because they accept you as you are and they can tell you, hey, you're blowing it. Stop it. I love you, but I don't like that and I don't love that about you. Change it up. I need those people in my life. I need those kids. And I cherish them. They're mine. They're all mine. You know why? Because they want to be mine. And let me say that up until about four years ago, I had a heart change. And the Holy Spirit said, you cannot be like that with your kids anymore. That's enough. Stop it. Be nice. Be loving. Be caring. Shut your mouth. Say good things. Think good things. The things that you are getting all bent out of shape about, they're worthless. But let me just tell you that, and the Holy Spirit talking to me, you're reproducing who you were. And I know you don't want to do that. Oh, no. I do not want to do that. I want to reproduce who I am now. I am changed. I am a good father. Not a perfect father. I'm a good father. I am in the mold, in the vein of my heavenly father. I am thankful for Porfirio Mendes, who was able to instill in me a love for work, a love for family, and he did the best that he could. And I embrace all the good that he deposited in me. But I also embrace all the good, all the victory, all the love 
that my heavenly father is depositing within me right now. And I impart that to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we'd love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com slash give.